0: Hi, I'm Paul Holgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher.
1: Hey, this is Jeremy Ronick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim Hi,
0: I'm Joel Ferby Hi,
1: this is Derek Brassard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And hey, you're, you're listening, listening to
0: Snow the Goalie. Snow
1: the Goalie. Snow 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 the Goalie. Snow
0: the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, maybe so. Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. And um, we were not planning on having a, uh, a show today. And that's until yesterday when this man, Anthony Sanfilippo, broke the news that Sean Couturier had sustained yet another injury, this time to his back, uh, and could miss significant time. And this man, Chris Terrian, uh with the three of us, we had a nice little, nice little chat uh, in our, our little uh, show group chat about what the hell this means for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. So welcome in. Um, I I don't even know where to start. And let's start with you, since you're the one who broke it. Uh, who says that local journalism's dead? The man who broke the story, Anthony Sanfalivo. and um, hit hit us up with uh, you know the the facts, the details here. Sean Couturier injured, could miss a month, could miss multiple months, could miss the entire season. Let's just. Let's have. by the way, if you're watching out there, and many of you are, we can see our little number. Um, you can send questions, comments, and concerns. We'll read some of them on the show. We'll answer any questions you have out there. Um, go ahead, Ant. Yeah.
2: Um, so basically, what happens is, is yesterday, um,
0: you know, I got we uh,
2: I got a really good uh, tip that um, Sean Couturier um, injured himself during workouts uh, last week uh, off ice. Uh, workouts Um, maybe felt it while he was in uh, on the ice skating but really that the injury actually took place off ice um, during training Um, and that uh, the first uh, diagnosis is a herniated disc so a herniated disc uh, is a significant injury especially for for anybody really but I mean especially for a hockey player Um, Bundy can talk a little bit more about you know how strong your back really needs to be for, for skating, for power skating. Um, but, uh, so what ends up happening there is he's going to miss time. Um, we were, we were told, uh, crossing broad, that is, um, uh, told that this injury is very likely three months, um, uh, could go as long as six months or the entire season. If in fact, surgery is required. Um, Since then, I I tried to reach out to Chuck Fletcher yesterday. He did not respond for comment, um, but I did source it through uh, multiple people within the organization. Um, Since then, there have been reports out that uh, the Flyers are seeking a second opinion, uh, which I mentioned in the story. They they are. I mean, anytime you have a serious injury, uh, you always want to get a second opinion just to kind of see where it's at um, and maybe if it can be – managed slightly differently to get a, a faster return. I mean, obviously they know it's going to be a, a bit of a term, um, but can you get them back quicker? Uh, the Flyers initially released a um, uh, statement saying that it's an upper body injury, <laughs> which is week to week. Um, and then a report came out from, uh, from Frank Ceravalli, uh saying that the Flyers are hopeful that he can get back in six to eight weeks um, but that if not, and surgery would be needed, then he would then miss the season. Um, so long story short, you're probably, you're definitely not going to have Sean Couturier in October, and November. I'm confident. I'm more confident in our sources. Um, this is, this is along the same lines of last year. I mean, if you recall, when I used the word significant for Sam Moran, uh, and, and I got, I, you know, I got people giving me a grief about that report, um, he never came which back. Was, and Played which was
0: also was also right. Yeah.
2: Um, so you I'm don't using let that, that get in the way of a, a you No, know, but I'm using that term again. That. Uh, in this instance, um, I'm using that term again so that it could be uh, 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 understood that this is a major injury. That this is this is an injury that will have have lots of long standing um, effects for this team beyond just the start of the season. I'm confident that this is an injury that goes into the new year. Uh, And I hope for Sean's sake that he's able to get back. Uh, I really do. I hope he doesn't have to undergo another back surgery. I hope it's not directly related uh, to the last injury, the last surgery he had, but there is a real possibility that it is. Um, We don't know that for 100% certainty right now. That's part of the second opinion, getting it looked at and see just how closely related these two things are. But, man, I mean, even if he comes – even if it's – even if it's, you know – Ten weeks, let's just say. So let's split the difference between Frank's report of eight and mine of twelve. Let's say it's ten weeks. That gets you to Christmas. That means it's a, a full calendar year without Sean Couturier playing a game, um, and it could be longer than that. And at twenty-nine years old, with the the wear and tear on his body, it, it really makes me concerned for him moving forward. You know, I don't know how quickly or how strong you can come back from from this. Um, Herniated discs last, man. They last for lifetimes. I mean, you might feel better for a little while, but I mean, just the the average everyday person has herniated disc issues, right? And then, and then, and then, and it hurts. It bothers. when it comes up. Imagine trying to be a professional athlete in a sport where you use your back as much as you do in hockey. I, I have a hard time thinking that this is this is anything of of. If there could be any good news that comes out of this for, for the Flyers. But, I mean, hey, man, I'm hopeful. I, you know, Sean's a huge part of this team and that we want to see him back as soon as possible.
0: Bundy, this might seem like a stupid question, but, like, can you put, I guess, you know, viewers, listeners um, into the mind of a hockey player for a second? When when you think about, you know, the kind of impact that um, a herniated disc could have on just, like, general motion, walking and such, and then you, you then amplify it because you're on skates, on ice. Can you give people an idea of – the effect that that can have just in terms of, of on ice, how you generate your power, your speed motion, handling the stick. Like, can you give people an idea of just how brutal of an injury this can be for a hockey player?
1: I mean, first of all, you could forget about handling a stick.
0: Uh,
1: I can tell you right now, I'll tell you a really quick story. I was playing my first preseason game. I think it was under the new Billy Barber regime and we were playing in Trenton and it was against the Islanders, uh, uh, line up that night and I, I pivoted just was going backwards and I turned to my left to go back and get a puck in the corner and something just went in my back and I literally I, I, I don't know how I finished the shift because I did and I actually hit a guy because I was going off and I went to the, the bench and I said I'm done like it wasn't a matter of oh give me a second I knew right away I was completely done I went back to the locker room somehow got my equipment off because he was still warm at the time and I remember I put my got my suit on, and I mean I couldn't walk. I literally couldn't walk. Every step you take, you're just you're 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 a one quarter step in it because you don't want to move. And and I got on the bus with the suit. I remember laying on the bus with my suit. I didn't care if there was chew on the floor, or if there was bags of trash. It didn't matter. I hurt so bad. And that was uh, about three and a half weeks before we opened up. I remember against Vancouver, I actually made it back and played in the Vancouver game. But you know what, guys? I wasn't the same like the first two months of the year. And it took me that much time just to get strength back in it. I mean, I probably shouldn't have been playing. I rushed back. Um, you know, I never missed any time. But that was really the first significant injury outside of a head injury that I had was my back. And I, and I said it on Twitter yesterday. You know, it still bothers me to this day. And it gets cold or, or you just tweak it and it's so bad. But, you know, here's the difference between me and Coots. He's coming off a. Of, back injury that costed him the, pretty much the whole season last year. And now he's got a herniated disc to boot dealing with that back. So wherever he's had that pain, you know, you never really get away from any kind of back inflammation in anyway, whether it's surgery or not, it's going to act up. I mean, Mario Lemieux went through this, you know, second half of his career. And you talk to people in Pittsburgh and there was days, I mean, he couldn't move. Um, I couldn't go to the bathroom for six days. That's how bad it was. I mean, you just cannot, you can't push, you don't want to move. And I'm not going to lie, I'm going to tell you this. The, th- the second day after I had that injury, I literally went to the bathroom and uh, downstairs, and I remember grabbing the sink, and I said, God, if there's any price that I could pay to make this pain go away, I would pay it right now. It was that bad. And you, you know what? And I I didn't never said I ever doubted a person with bad injuries, but, man, there's nothing like a back injury low where you've got a herniated disc. I mean, you can't move. You just can't. The slightest tweak. So if you can find a comfort spot, in your, you know, when it happens, that's all you're trying to get. That's the definition of good with a back injury is finding a moment of, of comfort. And I think anybody that, that has that, a lot of people were commenting on Twitter yesterday about their own back injuries and how bad they are. But this is certainly not good news for a guy who has played hard uh, pretty much his whole career. He is 29 years old. Um, he's not a fleet of feet anyway, like on the ice. You know, he's not a speed demon. So it's not really going to, these are things that will debilitate you. Uh, Unfortunately, it's things that he's going to have to do maintenance work on the rest of his career, regardless, to keep that back strong, uh, as strong as possible. If he's able to even make that kind of comeback. But Anthony's right. You know, it's a a tough injury. And, 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 you know, as for the ramifications of the injury, uh, completely devastating, you know, completely devastating. You had you had a tough situation here to begin with. Now you're putting guys that are probably third-line players on, on good teams and you're forefronting them as your number one center. Yeah, Kevin Hayes is probably what we're dealing with right now. So the elevation, the optics of that for other teams, uh, is it does not bode well for this Flyers team at
0: all. Not a little bit. Well, I want to get to some of the questions and comments and concerns that have been shared over on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel where this show is streaming. And then if you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast feed – now, I, I feel like there's going to come a time where we're probably going to start leaning into doing some more of these live in-betweens. We, we touched on this on last week's show about, like, as Ant called it, snackable content. Who doesn't love snackable content? But uh, about like doing a couple of these live streams, and, and we like to be able to kind of interact. This kind of takes us back to the old Press Row Show days. Um, we've got a few different thoughts here on surgery that have come in. Uh, Philo Original says, Sarah Valley reporting the Flyers hope a herniated disc heals in six to eight weeks and will only then consider surgery, shocker. And we got J- uh, J- JC's who says, get the surgery now. Why are they doing this BS uh, for six to eight weeks to see if it heals? No need to rush back and make it worse. I-, I feel like this is something that just happens so often with players that get injured on this team. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in other cities, but just the, the general idea of the player and the team, are they on the same page? Do they have the same treatment plan in mind? And it feels like all too often, avoiding the surgery is just delaying the inevitable. Uh, it's probably worth noting here that, you know, for as much as people have complained in the past about, you know, the the medical staff, you know, like the the training staff, whomever, that there were so many injuries, the Flyers brought in a new head of, uh, what was the title, Anthony? It was like the, the new health guru like a person who took over you know sport sports science whatever the hell it was
2: yeah
0: persons employed significant injury here as you reported sustained not during an uh, an on ice drill but rather strength and conditioning it just feels like i don't want to say cursed right but like it certainly feels like this team just cannot catch a good break they catch all the bad breaks to bones and everything else um I want to get to this as well because the the surgery thing. Where do you guys stand on this? I mean, obviously, you're not the player, you're not the organization. Um, back surgery is serious. It's not getting, a, you know, a, a dislocated thumb or something popped back in, right, Bundy? What are your What are your thoughts yeah. on this? Let me
1: let me just follow up on that. Um, when I had that herniated disc, and again, you know, this is the problem. The problem is with, with when you have that kind of injury. The first few days, Russ, I think you have to let the player kind of let the pain succeed a little bit. Uh, and the trainers have to do the same thing. And they are so bad. I mean, all you can do is lay a guy down on his belly on a training table and put ice on it and stim. That's honestly, God, that's what I did for a month. I laid on a training table um, and I got like four practices and came back for the home opener. But uh, yeah, there. I, I actually agree with that assessment because I think what you have to do then is you got to go to Sean. And you're going to ask them if you could, because that's what I would I would want. I, I wouldn't want some doctor come up and say, hey, we're going to do surgery. Because my first question, this is me. I'd be like, well, is there a way to do it without the surgery? You know, what does that process look like? So you want to try to see what it looks like and if it's as detrimental as perhaps initially they say. Because when you get them, I'm telling you, with these back injuries, the first four or five days, everybody's freaking out. Because not a lot of people always know necessarily what it is. So you want to give it a chance to calm down. And then let the player do an assessment of that pain level. And then they can go from there. If it's something that's not repairable and, 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 and you're in the disc, what happens is there's that sponge in your back. And then that pushes out of the disc area and it inflames the nerves around it. That's what happens. So if there's a leaky, you know, a bulging disc is what we call it, which causes a herniation. And it's pushing constantly on those nerves. It doesn't matter what you do. That's when the surgery will be required. They'll try to do back stabilizing stuff with him but the, the, it'll probably, the decision I would think will probably come in the next few days once the initial pain of it subsides.
0: So that leads us to a, an, another issue here, and it's something that people have brought up in the comments here, and it looks like people are starting to respond to each other about it. There are, I would say, two different things at play right now, and i want to bring Ant back in on this one as well. There are two things at play currently. Um, there, there's the player... Uh, who we obviously are going to you know, send our best wishes to because this is a terrible injury, it does raise the question. I, my, my initial thought, I'll be honest, wasn't, oh, shit, like they're going to be without him for a few months. It was, does this end his career? I feel like at some point we have to have that conversation. We hope that it isn't going to come to that. But this is now a second serious back injury in a year, year and a half. It's a player who's had a ton of miles put on his body since he entered the league as what, 18, 19 year old player. You know, we talked about even back to when he was given an extension. We said, you know, cap wise, it could, it could be beneficial, but you look at term and you really do worry because there's a lot of tread that's been worn off those tires and he doesn't play a carefree game. He plays a rough, tough defensive oriented game he's a a 200 foot player in every sense of the word it now i think continues to compound and and start to build the questions around the guy who gave that deal and the guy who entered the season kind of lining up this team to be built on hope and good luck and that would be chuck and so we have a bunch of questions that have come in here um chris freed So, fellas, will we see for the third time since 2006 a GM change in season before December 1st? That's just one. There are many of them. Uh, We have Mr. McPhilly. How concerned should fans be that Chuck isn't able to read the tea leaves at any point in his time with the Flyers? Uh, There are more. In this regard, fans are calling for Chuck's head, but how would injuries to players warrant Chuck being fired? So there's your, your other side. Chris Naffy, if the season is a train wreck again due to injuries, does Chuck remain president and GM? So I guess, guys, this is all to kind of come back to this idea that the guy who built the team, the guy who shopped for the groceries or chose not to shop, the guy who instead of buying a piece of filet mignon decided to go to the back of the frozen food aisle and and find like some expired ground beef, in a fourth line enforcer and then also give it you know a uh, a no movement clause is is something like this just another strike against chuck fletcher or do you take the uh, the opinion of gm doesn't control a guy's injury anthony you're let's start with you
2: yeah, all right so you guys know that i wrote a story a few months back that basically called for an overhaul of the front office right i mean mm-hmm. i don't think. Chuck Fletcher was did the right thing this summer by the team. Um, I think it was poorly managed, poorly planned, poorly executed. Um, so I'm of still of that mindset, even though he's still in the position. That being said, it's really hard to blame Chuck Fletcher for Sean Couturier having successive back injuries. Now, where can you look? Like, how does this happen? how How can you how you look at it and say? what the hell is going on that the guy gets hurt without even playing a game Mm -hmm. after he missed all that time, after he had off season surgery in February and seven months later, you're having another injury that could knock him out for a year. My question is, are they rehabbing him correctly? Are they training him properly? And it's it's not a, it's not sitting there saying, oh, well, the new people coming in, they don't know what the hell they're doing, and they caused this to happen. Okay, because this could have been something that built up before the new people got here. Who knows? Who knows? So you have to ask the question of everybody involved, you know, how how does it seem how does it happen that this team has this occur so frequently where the injuries are happening not in game. The re-injuries are happening in workouts. The re-injuries are happening off season. You know, the re-injuries are happening while you're training on your own. Right? Well, was it? Was it? Um, who got hurt this summer training on their own? Was that Morgan Frost? No, Farabee. 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 Farabee got hurt. Right?
0: Joe Farabee. Right? Just Another guy up- that they, by the way, are kind of you know banking on, hopefully getting healthier sooner than later. But like you you're on the risk of rushing that guy back
2: how how do they have all of these injuries i mean even last year kevin hayes he got he re-injured his his uh, his injury his her, whatever it was a hernia lower body stomach muscle tear whatever we want to call it he yeah. re-injured that just skating like pre pre-camp like mm-hmm. like nothing is happening in game anymore and it, it makes you wonder what the hell's happening with them training. Yeah. And that to me, so, so to me, that's, it's not about, this is not about Chuck Fletcher. The injuries repeatedly aren't about Chuck Fletcher. He right. mismanaged the team as far as the general manager's job is concerned. But getting the, all these injuries and trying to bring these guys back and the, and the plan to manage them, who's doing that and why? Why is it continually a nightmare? That's the problem that I have, and that's the questions we need answered.
0: Yeah, they've it. made they made changes,
1: uh, you know, to the medical staff. You know, I don't yeah. know they've hired. Uh, they hired a uh, the guru, I guess is like you know kind of guy from the Australian football uh, rugby league. Yep, he's, you know he's been involved with physical sport. Um, they've made other changes in there. They've made other hires. Um, This is a tough one. You know, the thing with hernia, the other thing with back injuries, too, if you if you remember one thing that there was a consistency through the rehab part. But, yeah, I don't blame I don't, uh, you know, in terms of what they're doing, you know, if they they did change a regime from one thing to another where guys are saying, here's the the routine that Sean's been on. And then there's a there's a a miscommunication or no communication between, you know, who was treating, who still was and who's got a different view of it. Remember, anybody that comes – this is the interesting part for me, right? If you do have new new guys in there or, or strength coaches or whatever else is going on, you know, remember the one thing they're not going to do is they're going to they're not going to probably continue on the same path that the former traders were doing for therapy even though it was right because, you know, why would we do the same thing in the guys that we just got rid of? So, but again, I don't blame. It's no one's fault. It's not Tornarella's fault. It's not Chuck Fletcher's fault that Sean Scuturi's back got injured again. If people might say, well, why didn't they find that, you know – Somebody that could come and fill in the void better than what we have now. Um, it's, you know, it, it's
0: funny you say that, though. Well, because... I mean, listen.
1: Well, we can get to that in a second. Hold on, Russ. That's what all I'm right, just saying. Okay. Like, I'm not going to blame Chuck for any or anybody that's not involved with a player's injury. That's not fair at all. I mean, yeah. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not saying we're doing that. I mean, you could certainly say what you're going to say, and I just assumed it right now is if you had a guy coming back from a back injury, and maybe you weren't necessarily sure what the future is going to look like with that. But you should have secured something that looked better than an Artem and Nisimov tryout at this point. And that's where we're at. And, again, that's, that's again, part of running a team is to not think in the moment. It's to think ahead. You know, it's like being a manager. I don't know. Maybe I should have gotten into management and I should shut my mouth because I didn't. It's like a game <laughs> of chess to me. You know, it's who's thinking what. what's on your team. What may not look good in six months? What's not going to look good in two years, but what's not going to look good in two days? How can I, how can you always improve your hockey team? And I think that's not a matter improving a hockey team is not a matter of waiting for injuries to happen and take over and for all shit to hit the fan and the wheels come off your team. It's to always have a plan, a strategic plan in your head and to have good people around you. You need good people around you to make these decisions. Um, I don't know if, the, if he's getting that or not. I have no idea. But this is a, this is a really really tough situation for Sean. Obviously, he's a, he's one one of my favorites when I broadcasted. I love dealing with him. He was so good, you know, to me uh, to always make himself available to me. A lot of guys did, um, but he's a great guy. He's a heck of a hockey player, and I just wish he, he would come back healthy. There's nothing we're gonna be able to do to talk about him moving forward after this, except just hearing about his uh, timetabled return or lack thereof of return. Um, but this is this is a season, guys, that's been as big as, uh, heading into the offseason in the training camp, um, boy, it's been really – this is really, really tough times in, 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 in Flyers' line. It has been for some time, and it almost feels like this is a cherry on a really, really shitty Sunday at this point. And um, uh, the Flyers' got a lot of interesting things they're going to have to do. Artem Anisimov may have a job in the NHL again.
0: Well, it's funny that you mention that because that's one of uh, one of our viewers here, Brian Adams says. How much more likely is it that we see somebody like him signed to a one-year deal uh, now that the um, the the problem at, at center? You know, I guess it's probably fair here to mention the fact that um, they announced the PTO, or at least Saravali reported the PTO. Um, Less than 24 hours ago. So they made that signing, in theory, yesterday morning, on Monday morning. And Couturier suffered the injury last week. And so I know that the signing, or like the idea of bringing him in on a PTO initially, kind of had some people scratching their heads. Now, it, it wouldn't be beyond Chuck Fletcher to go bargain barrel hunting right before camp. That's when all your best uh, signings come in. Everybody knows that. Keith Yandel was a rousing success. Being brought in off the uh, the bargain barrel last year, so why wouldn't you go for it here? And do you think that um that this getting public, this coming out public yesterday morning, uh, was in any way, shape, or form linked to the fact that the organization was aware the Chankaturier was probably going to miss some time? No,
2: I got They're it. Totally on, independent. I got it on uh, absolute authority that they were planning on bringing him in for a PTO prior to. Couturier's injury. Now, does it amplify the possibility of him making the team now? Yes. That, I think, is... I think he was just a guy that was like, hey, let's bring this guy in on a PTO, see what he looks like in camp. Can he push some of our younger centers to play better in camp? Um, And if our younger guys aren't ready to go, we can start the season with this guy. He could play anywhere, up and down the lineup, really just kind of, you know, be a veteran center, which we don't have enough of. Um, or he doesn't. He looks terrible, and we just part ways, and it doesn't cost us anything, right? I think it was it's one of those, you know, low risk, medium reward kind of kind of signings that teams do uh, from time to time in in training camp, and they bring those guys in. With Couturier getting hurt, I think it, it, like I said, it amplifies the possibility of him making the team, even if some of the young players are are good enough to make the team as well. So, just because you don't have centers. I mean, who's who's the
0: centers on this team right now? I mean, who really, right? If Kevin, you got Kevin Hayes coming off of what three surgeries, right? Kevin Hayes, in the last go ahead. 18 in Morgan last Frost. 18 months. Morgan Frost, Scott Morgan Frost. Wharton. And that, I,
1: that's I, a classic I case right Anthony? everybody moving up a room and yeah. playing out of out of sorts. That's what happened. And, happens. and, and, what's and
0: what's Patrick yeah. Brown, I and, guess Patrick Brown and Bundy, go forward. back, go back though. This is like the thing that You know, I hate to say that there was this one genesis of this whole thing going to hell in a handbasket. But the Kevin Hayes signing, and I guess even before that, the Nolan Patrick pick, feel like it cursed the center depth on this team, right? Because a few things happened. Nolan Patrick was brought in to be the 2C on the team. It didn't happen. So then you went out and you overpaid Kevin Hayes, who was a 3C. You paid him to come in and be your 2C. You would have had, in theory, some center depth, if you hadn't pissed off your former captain, Um, we're not going to get into that today. But in theory, could Claude Giroux have played some center until uh, Sean Couturier was back this year? Maybe not an entire season. Could he have done it, it for fine. a few minutes. It was time to go. Yeah, possibly. That, I, so I'm saying, but <laughs> there, you know, there's, there's potential depth that you could have had there. That's also gone. So now it's just that cascading effect. Kevin Hayes, three C. Now you're going to be your opening night. One C. That's a disaster. There is nobody. Uh, with any knowledge of the game, who could try to convince me that going into a season with Kevin Hayes as your 1C is setting you up in any way, shape, or form to be a successful team. You are not a playoff team. You're not a Stanley Cup contender. You're a bottom five team. And it gets to a point that somebody made in the comments. Uh, Eddie Revox I feel like this is more proof that Chuck and, co- and, and company had no plan can't and shouldn't blame injuries on Chuck, but he did not position the team to be somewhat okay if more injuries were to happen. And that, therein lies the problem. Your top two centers have had an injury history and have had significant injuries that have cost them significant time over the last two years. That's Couturier and that's Hayes. God forbid something happens to Kevin Hayes. He tweaks something. He has another sports hernia. There's another core muscle injury, and we know how those tend to pop up. You get one, You don't handle it correctly or you get the surgery scar tissue there's an entire possibility kevin hayes goes out i guess all this is to say like did chuck fletcher's incompetence like kind of set up the unintentional tank like is that where we're at right now because we're one bad carter Hart development whether it's uh, an injury or the the case that nobody wants to talk about in canada that like still hasn't gotten all the way buttoned up we're one bad development there away from this thing going all the way to broke. I don't know how they couldn't be a bottom three team, right? Am I wrong?
1: They easily could now, for sure. I mean, on paper, they're a bottom three team right now, right? Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I maybe give Torts a little bit of yes. benefit of the doubt that even with, even with a lesser talented team, that he could get them to play hard enough to maybe be – a little bit better than that, but man, you lose Couturier for for the year. It's just a, that's a that's a killer. I can't. If if we had them, maybe you know, as the twentieth best team in hockey, maybe they're now twenty four, twenty five. Uh, but they're certainly towards the bottom. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They're they're definitely going to be part of the lottery and and uh, you know in, in the mix, uh, maybe unintentionally so, but in the mix for generational talent at the draft next year.
0: That's our best scenario, right? It kind of has to be. At this point, I think it is, yes. Hey, Bundy, just out of curiosity, Cryptic Cowboy says that uh, the team should give you a PTO. Would you uh, suit up? <laughs> yes.
1: yes, I would. You would?
0: Yes, Okay, I would.
1: Good. At this point, good. yes, I would. I used to say no, I wouldn't do that to the fans. But why the fuck not now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's go over here really quick. Dodo Head Central says, or is that Duduhead? Head? I don't know. Says, uh, Sarah Valley mentioned they won't be uh, giving any Ryan Ellis update. Are you hearing anything? Is he done? That's another. Oh, by the way, that's another Chuck Fletcher edition. Ryan Ellis via trade. Uh, now, in fairness, you did trade him uh, for him. You sent out a defenseman that uh, got cut and a center who, by the way, Nolan Patrick looks like he's going to miss the season um, again. So it's not as if you traded out valuable pieces for Ryan Ellis, but there is the cap issue. Um, Ant, any, any, anything there on Ellis? I don't know what's happening to Ant. Well,
1: let me, Anthony, didn't, go did not hear Anthony
0: unmute? Yeah, Ant's, Ant must have I, muted. I, I did that's the that, that Yeti Yeti going mic. on
1: LTIR, Russ. I did see that yeah. this morning, and they're probably going to have to do that, but you know, again, that, that that move has been just a disaster, really, since it was ever made. Um, we'll give Anthony a chance there to keep going on, but that, no, and
0: no. and bump out and come back in.
1: We'll, we'll wait for you. You can jump on where I'm at, Anthony. to hear us? So yeah. So they put in one LTIR. Um, <clears throat> And I think that's the case, you know, when, when it ended up getting them over here, you know, it's funny, Russ, we talk about like the Phil Myers move now Noel and Nolan Patrick, you know, two young guys at the time that really I thought could have made a difference for a team. Patrick's mm-hmm. up now. The problem is when they got Ellis, um, it's pretty, it's becoming pretty clear now. If you, you ask around the league or talk to agents uh, that they dealt, they dealt an injured player to the Flyers and the Flyers did not do their due diligence in getting this player checked. That is pretty clear and obvious that, uh, that that's exactly what Nashville did. So, strategic, good vote by Poyle, but if you're the other team, if you're the team here, like you got to make sure you know what you got. Someone handed the Flyers damaged goods, and the Flyers got stuck with them. And, and in turn, whether you like Patrick or um, uh, Myers a lot, who, by the way, got traded for the two-time Stanley Cup defending champion, Ryan McDonough. Somebody found value in him, and we're uh, going to find out pretty quick in Tampa that he will not be Ryan McDonough's. Um, fill in or, or uh, equitable substitute at this point. Yeah. It's just not happening. So uh, that's where they're at with Ellis. But it, it's become it's become pretty evident that that was a uh, an injury dump. And if somebody's going to bite on on a contract like that and make the trade, you have got to do your due diligence on the back end because since he's been here, there's no other way to say. And Anthony can pick up with the Ellis thing. There's no other way to say that they got a healthy player when he got here. He's been hurt the entire time except for a couple games. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'll be surprised if we ever see him in any kind of longevity in the league ever again.
2: I tend to agree with Bundy on that last statement. Um, I do think he's going to try to come back. Um, If for no other reason that if he can prove that he can play, then maybe he can weasel his way out of the town that he doesn't want to be in.
0: Woo! We got
2: some fire. Boo, 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 boo. Little, I'm, just, I'm
0: just saying. It. I mean, it, I, don't, I, don't think,
2: I don't think Ryan Ellis wants to be here. I think that he had some real conflicts with the organization and how they were managing his treatment, his recovery. Um, there was obviously they, – they, they, they came to loggerheads over whether he should get surgery or not. Um, the player won out. Um, and, you know, obviously he's not ready to go. To, he's not going to be ready to go to start the season. But I think the last, I mean, last I had heard, I and mean, it's been a little bit since I really dove in on Ryan Ellis, but the last I heard is he had told the team he does plan on playing at some point this year. Um, but again, I don't know how long that's going to be. I mean, you know, you're going to come back and play and play two games and then you're hurt again and you can't play anymore. Or do you play enough to try and show that you still got something left in, your, in the tank and maybe work it to the point where you can get yourself moved to another city? Yeah, that becomes um, I, hard, you know.
1: Yeah, it's tough when you have an injured guy too around Anthony too, with other guys. And you've been around the locker room over the years. Yeah, and you see an injured guy. I mean, I'll be honest, with you, one of the best guys and best players, obviously, I played with was Peter Forsberg. My my last year, which was, we'll save that story for another day. But you know, every time I saw Peter, and every time I saw him thereafter, he had like two feet in a bucket of ice. Uh, you know, and then every time you walk in the room, it'd be like three hours the poor guy was still there, or he looked like an injured horse, you know, like he was get uh just get healed to some level where he could play and it just never happened. That becomes tough on the players too in the room, you know, when you have a guy who's injured and he's trying to trying to feel better and trying to get him back in the lineup. But um, what do you think, Anthony? What do you think his discontent uh it is on a level of the Ben Simmons? If Ben Simmons is a 10, where do we have right now?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't, I don't think I don't think it's quite as far as Ben. Um, but I do think it's I do think it's to the point where it's like you know, he recognizes I have to come back to get out of here. Otherwise, I may never play hockey again because yeah. they're just going to stick me on LTIR every year and and I'm just going to – my career is going to be wasted away as a as an injured player. Whereas if I can show that I can play a little bit, maybe I can find my way to another team. Maybe they buy me out if they don't can't work out a trade or something along. And who knows that what there's a freaking some kind
0: waste of- that would be. What a what an absolute disaster. Well, and like well, by well, the way, he doesn't deserve a goddamn thing. If we're being honest here, what does Ryan Ellis deserve? What like why does he get to dictate? This man, if he gets put on LTIR for the next. Five seasons that he's under contract, he's gonna make six point two five million a year. Now, unless the team is gonna go back after him for lost, you know, uh lost production, which I don't think you can do, right? If if you're on LTIR, like you're getting your money and that's that. Well, there's right? there are insurance, there are insurance. Yeah. But like he'll get his money, right? Yeah, he'll get his money. Oh, oh the yeah. Fly- yeah, so the fu- I'm sorry. The flyers, the I, don't, flyers. I don't care what Ryan Ellis wants. He's gonna get yeah. six point three million dollars to sit at home. The flyers Good, like, four years. For, yeah, yeah the Flyers no, five, just, Bundy. Including five. this year, it's five years. That man is going to make over thirty million dollars 30, 31.25, over the next five years to never have to play again. I mean, sure, yes, you love the sport and you know all that, but <laughs> I mean, come on, seriously?
2: Yeah, it's uh, the Flyers. Not a sympathetic recoup. figure. The Flyers can recoup some of the money through insurance. Okay, so they can get th- the Flyers don't have to necessarily pay all that money. The insurance. All right, so
0: is- I. Th- I think we've probably hit all of the main things here. Uh, We have taken questions, comments, and concerns. I think this is going to be something you're going to continue to see bottom three. Let's go. Bedard to broad. Um, One last note This is really quick um, because we got to get out of here. I had somebody sent, somebody sent over to me this morning, uh, an email from the flyers and it was flyers ticket sales. And they were saying that uh, opening night tickets, they're currently offering up to 50% off. Opening night tickets and everybody gets a t-shirt, which I think is normal anyway, but up to 50% off for opening night tickets. Um listen, it is what it is, but they're gonna have a hard time filling that arena this year. And the Katorier injury. Filling. I'm sorry, filling like you put it. well, I mean putting butts in seats, you want to just say butts in seats? Like how I mean how yeah, many, I mean, how so many so people weird. do you think are gonna be there? Like if the place holds was it, 14, 14, 5? How many people are going to be in the arena?
2: Oh, 195.
0: Uh, Is it 20, 19? Well, well, they can get over 20. You can actually get Oh, because over of the standing room. Standing right, room. Right, you can okay. get over 20. Um, all right, so let's say 20. Call it, it 20,000. Know
2: you, know, you, know you know what kind of filling they're going to have, Russ? They're going to
0: have like the reject jelly donut that where only
2: there's like that little bit at the back end. And you bite into it think you're going to get that nice jelly donut. And it's all like just the sugar donut until you get yeah. to the end. And then you maybe you get that one bite with a little bit of jelly in it. That's the that's what the Wells Fargo Center is going to be this year as far as attendance. They're going to, they are going to are they going to set records this year? I think so. I think they're going to set records for the lowest actual drop count, and I, they'll they'll lie that they'll fudge the numbers for the actual attendance yeah. um, as far as tickets sold. But um, which every team does. So it's not like the Flyers are just the only team that does it, but every team in sports does it. Um, but I think that their drop count, which is never really public information, but we can get it. Um, will be the lowest in the history of the franchise. Woof! Remember, uh, by remember the way, when the
1: Flyers were dead last that one year, and they still sold out every
2: night. Pretty much. I mean, at the end of the season, there were games. I remember there were games in like at the end of yeah. March and April that you know not everybody the tickets might have been sold, but there weren't a lot of people there. But they weren't getting five thousand; they were getting fifteen. And right?
0: this is were, where you this is where you get back to like the the argument that Bundy and I have made for for quite a while now, and and Ant, you had been kind of hesitant too. This is why, like, ultimately, if you had tanked, if you had blown the thing up, and the, and, and, I'm going to add an and though, Ant, there were relatively exciting players to go out and watch. Um, You probably would get more people in the arena than you're going to get with this current iteration of the team that, by the way, I believe is still $2 million over the cap, Here, or at least why, why, before I'll, I'll LTIR.
2: Why, I'll tell you why I disagree with you, Russ. More than anything else, young fans like you Mm -hmm. are all about this, blowing it up, process-oriented thing. No, no, seriously. Start from scratch. Try and win the lottery. I mean, that's a very young mentality. It's a youthful mentality. and We hear it in every sport. Blow it up! You've you you been,
1: been here for a decade, though, Anthony. So you can't blame Russ because he watched that for ten years.
2: Bobby, I get it. Right. I get Thank it. You, and I, I get that. I, I, honestly, I do get that. But what I'm, what I'm trying to—the point I'm trying to make—is you're still missing the fact that there are a significant number, and I would dare I say, majority of the Flyers fan base is not of that mentality. A majority of the Flyers fan base is an older is an older fan base wants to try and win as soon as possible and is not willing to settle for another five, six, seven years of wait and see until we get good again. They're just not. And so that yeah. I, think, I think that's where that's where the drop off happened. I think that those people finally got tired of paying for season tickets and said, we ain't doing it. And I think the young fan looks at it and says, well, until I know that there's going to be a good player worth going to see and the team's going to be good, we're not buying season tickets. So I think that that was a, it's a combination of the two is why you're seeing it's perfect storm, right? I mean, that's why they're not getting anybody in there. Um, so that's so that's why, that's why they couldn't do it, and at the same time, it's also what's going to kill them. Yeah, I mean, you, Would you maybe have a few more people there watching? Maybe you'd get I think a young. You f- you'd you'd get a if, maybe if, start to get like a Sixers type crowd a little bit when they were and, when they sucked.
0: And, right? and whether whether you want to say that's a good thing or not, like. If there were exciting prospects or if you hadn't botched the fedotov issue right and like you can go out and say like fedotov came over and, and was like a solid enough goalie and like on the nights the carter hart's not playing fedotov's in there somebody might say you know what like let's let's go to a game we'll at least have a a good chance of seeing good goals i don't know i'm just trying i'm saying i like i couldn't rationalize right now with this team with this roster okay, saying I'm like let's go pay money to go see this because there aren't those young stars. I'm, I'm, there aren't I'm also those budding prospects th- that you that
2: you could bring I'm up. I'm also going to say one more thing that's going to piss a lot of people off, but I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. <gasps>
0: I'm
2: going to say it anyway. Hockey fans in general, this isn't everybody, because we know we have some really, really good hockey fans who we've had discussions with on this show, on Twitter, people who know the sport. But in general, people don't know enough about the sport of hockey like they do baseball football basketball to be able to do what you're saying. let's go down there and watch this young exciting player or maybe we might see something with it they would rather just sit at home and be like you know what until the team's good we ain't going down there because so, they don't, I don't think that I don't think that the knowledge base of the sport is there for them to sit there and watch the new like when Bundy watches a game, he's watching it as a former player he's seeing things a hell of a lot differently. Then even I see it as a, as a journalist who's covered the team for 20 years, but certainly a hell of a lot differently than someone sitting at home who's just a fan, right? I mean, buddy, you look, you're look you seeing things a lot different. Like you're looking at things that are happening that the normal fan doesn't, doesn't even know to look for.
1: I think we all watch it different perspectives, Anthony. You yeah, know, yeah. Like there's some people that watch it as a fan and all they see is offense and chances. I'm watching it as a collective 60 minutes or 65-minute game where I feel yeah. to the, the shoot out if it gets to it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, watching it from my position, watching it from guys in positions that I was challenged by, you know, wingers, front of the net type of play. Right. Um, and then the overall feeling of the game. But you're right. Everybody's got a different perspective of, of how to watch the sport of hockey. And, uh, yeah, it's going to – there's no doubt about it. There, And that, that's a unique thing with football. Like, everybody last night, you watched the Eagles game. And it was great, right? Like they I mean they were dominant from start to finish. And everyone's right. gonna feel great. Yeah, there was offense, there was great defense. Hockey's a little different because you can pick a certain player and watch a player through the game. You can watch a line. So it's def- always an interesting perspective when you're watching uh, the score. I mean, you,
2: you can you can literally you literally can have a, a hockey game where your team gets beat and, and gets beat maybe by three goals, right? And you look at that and you go look at the box score and say, Oh man, that was an ugly game, right? But then you go back and actually watch the game and it could just be like, you know what? These two lines play great. This defensive pair played great. We really got a lot of good efforts out there, even though the team lost the game. And vice versa, you could have a game where you win and somebody has three, four points, but played like shit. They just got lucky because they were the last one to touch the puck to get an assist and get a point in that particular play. You know, and you know, the, the, the players you get excited because they put up points, and maybe that's not as good a game as they had when they were no points in a minus two. And they maybe played a much better game than that. No point minus two game. You so know? That, that's I, totally true. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm going to give the Flyers two pieces of advice that they're probably going to take and use. And we won't get paid for them as no. we don't with <laughs> most of the ideas that we feed them. And they ultimately do.
2: Uh,
0: the first is the uh, content team for the Flyers. The video team, the social media team. Uh, they should blow up whatever plans they had for this season because none of it's going to matter. What they should do is they should focus on young players and make us care. Build stakes. Treat this like it's pro wrestling. Build stakes. Or even like your favorite reality show where they do like the, the take you to the contestants home. And you learn a little bit of their backstory. And like, yes, yeah, so there's usually like the sob story. But give us that. Give people a reason to come out and support Owen Tippett. Give people a reason to come out and support Morgan Frost. Try to build an emotional connection to the potential young core of the team, even if they're not going to be the budding superstars that you might have drafted them or traded for or that you had hoped they would eventually develop into. You have to try to build buy-in some other way because trying to build it on the the entire basis of just being like a good hockey player isn't going to do it. That's one. Number two speaks to this point. Mr. McPhilly says, if, fa- if Philly fans aren't willing to go see a solid Phillies team with a reigning MVP and other exciting players, they definitely aren't paying even more to watch the Flyers. And this brings me back to a point that we have made on this show many times before. The Flyers, if, if Sean Couturier's injury is worse, if it's around what Ant was saying, multiple months or the season, and the Ellis thing is what it is, and this really is going to be a bottom three, bottom five team this year. The team has to do whatever they can to make good to the season ticket holders that remain, and they need to slash the ticket prices for games to this uh, to this upcoming season. They have you to give them money back. Good luck. Hey, I, I I think now I don't know if it's giving the money back. I don't know if it's crediting their account for next season. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's experiences. I don't know if it's meet and greets with players. I don't know what it looks like. You have to try to figure out a way to do a make good to the season ticket holders. But ultimately, you're going to have to cut prices. If you want people to come to see this team, you can't continue to charge the prices that you're charging. It just doesn't make sense. Under under no circumstances does it make sense. And I don't think they'll do it. But I think it's the only way to try to make anything good from this season. If you're trying to get people in the arena. Yeah,
1: just I thought. think it's going to whole event thing, too. I mean, when you look at tickets. I, th- I think if there's a... This is where I go to the business side, Russ, for I think fracturing a lot of the relationships with the fans. Because I don't think there's six or 7,000 people in here if they don't do the damage that they did from the top. This is a self inflicted gunshot wound by just about everything that they've done. We went through this last week. I don't want to get into it again. Yeah, so let's. Yeah, let's. It, but... I'm just saying that it's not always the product in the ice because Flyers fans are super loyal. Like to me, I said it for years. They are the beating heart of this franchise, Flyers fans. And mm-hmm. th- there's been a lot of things that the business side has done so wrong that's made it like it is today. And that's why and, fans have revolted
0: and went away. And so you, you actually brought this up before. And I think this could be our last point for today. And, and I see there have been questions coming about who the captain's going to be and all that. We'll get into that with this week's episode of Snow the Goalie, which will hit the podcast feed later this week. Um, you know, we talked about the fact that the Flyers have had bad seasons before. They had the season that they were the worst team in the league. And yet the fans stuck with the team. And there was that season where they were still filling out the arena, at least in a meaningful way, even in arguably the worst season the franchise has ever had. And part of that, I think, is because you had built up equity. It's not just the idea that you're trying to sell people on the team being good even when they're not. It's you've done a good enough job of connecting with the fans on other levels, on an emotional level, on the feeling of there being some kind of a special – uh, feeling and atmosphere and that the organization cares and all that and you don't have that right now and so to your point I think what you're going to see is the the loyalty that fans have shown in the past to come out and still support the team through a bad season or a mediocre season is just not gonna be there I will just say this um, the marketing team is gonna have a heck of a lot of work uh, to do and I do not uh, envy those people at all because this is this was already going to be a hard sell to get people out to the arena uh, at this point. I don't know what, well, the, what, the what asked there is to, to go out.
1: Self, that's your new sales team apparently. There you go. The uh,
0: I think that's probably a good place to wrap unless there's anything that Ant wanted to uh, to put out there. I do love this idea though. Uh, Lawrence Fine says sports will wear the C on his lapel. I, do <laughs> I like that, that, that. that. I like that. I will say
2: I think it's kind of interesting that last week was when we were talking about who should wear the C, and we were saying, you know, well, Couturier, obviously, and how how would he feel? I, I have a feeling that maybe Tortorella was like, let's make sure the guy can actually play before we decide on who's going to be a captain, right? And now all of a sudden, smart move because if you name him the captain and then all of a sudden he's not able to play the whole year, yeah. Now you're going to hold you without a captain anyway, right? Yeah. So maybe Torts was a little pressure on that, right?
0: So I said this to Bundy, and you had dropped off, but for all the people who are watching and those who are listening after the fact on the podcast feed, I think we'll probably touch on the captaincy later this week. We'll do an episode at some point later this week to touch on some other questions, comments, concerns. We had a bunch that were left over from last week's episode that we didn't get to on Twitter and Instagram. I want to thank all the people who tuned in live tuned? Did I say tuned? Tuned in live. Uh, All all the people who tuned in live on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. Again, we'll probably do some of these throughout the season, especially if there are big breaking news stories. Uh, Big thank you to everybody who checked in. Uh, Make sure, I guess, go over to YouTube. Go to the Crossing Broad YouTube channel. You can hit like the little bell or whatever it is. I don't know what the YouTube lingo is, but like hit the thing so that you get a notification if we go live at any point with the Snow the Goalie. Um, And then check out the podcast feed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts. You can ask your iPhone or your Android device or your like Amazon Echo to play the latest episode of Snow the Golia Flyers podcast. And there you go. Hands free. You can listen to the dulcet tones of uh, Chris Terrian as you're preparing dinner. You can listen to Anthony uh, while you're sitting in the bathtub reading a novel. You can suffer through listening to me while you're dropping your kids off at school. Uh, a big thank you to all of you for watching those of you who listen, and we will be back later this week with a new episode of snow, the goalie, the only flyers podcast. And as EJM, I guess YouTube lingo smash that like button, leave a comment. I don't know. Anyway, uh cryptic cowboy also says good luck on the PTO Bundy. So, uh, We'll look forward to that. I have, actually, I have,
1: I have full confidence in myself that things will work out. There
0: we go. <laughs> All right. We'll be back later this week. Thanks for tuning in. Tell two friends, two family members about Snow the Goalie. We'll be back later this week. Have a great day, everybody.